TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The score! Dan Campbell in his third year has brought this franchise back to beyond respectability. Goff takes a knee. There will be no more snaps. And for the second time, It can be said the Detroit Lions are playing for an NFC championship. Yes, those words in that order were said. It's real. I know there's some people in Detroit who are still amazed. There's some very, very old people who've never seen a playoff game. But here they are. And... That team and the youngest team in the NFL right. that was also in the playoffs are in the Bears division. Along with a team that looks like they just kind of need a quarterback to be relevant, and it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do at quarterback, whether they, they want to continue to ride the Kirk Cousins train or if they want to Say, all right, let's get real about finding a replacement for Kirk Cousins. I think that they, they, I was impressed with Kevin O'Connell this year. I don't know about you, but when we start thinking about where the Bears are at, often we're a tad myopic because we're spending our time with them every day. Like we're thinking about the Bears every day and like, what can the Bears do? What can the Bears do to get better? And, they could be better. They are better. They're going to be better. They're going to be a top five defense next year if they're healthy. And it still might not make up the difference in the gap between where they're at and where Green Bay is at and where Detroit is at. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, and that doesn't even factor in the variance of what could happen with the Vikings. That's why I wanted to make sure that I mentioned them because I, I don't think that they're as easy of a dismissal as maybe you would think. I think as an organization, they know what they're doing. I mean, the quarterback thing is big. Like that that's that's why like I understand people wanting to move on from Justin Fields with the idea of, well, man, it'd be nice if, if you knew earlier that you had the quarterback thing right. And maybe you could get that with Caleb Williams. Maybe it it allows for it. The the interesting part to me is how different the quarterback situation looks in Detroit and in Green Bay than what it is everyone seems to be chasing when it comes to not having the quarterback spot solidified. And once that is not a moving part, the luxury that affords you. I'm not even talking about relative to the cap. Just when you're not always wondering, do we have the guy? Might he be the guy? Is this the guy? And everything is still 
trying to to get that settled when you know you have your guy and you can do everything else elsewhere must be nice it's it's interesting too when you look at detroit because they didn't think that they had the guy yes they did the people on the outside didn't remember we went back and, and looked at That's some of those true. quotes they did they knew they did from jump and they went they approached it as if they did and it made all the difference they built all this stuff and it's like wow look at this like which that's why i'm so in the conversation about the quarterback for the bears i'm a tad bit frustrated because of some of the other places where it doesn't look as everyone thinks it's super simple well just draft another one Okay, but but what if I told you that it could happen and maybe happen faster if you did take all the resources and build this behemoth and then you had a quarterback that was good or maybe pretty good and you were able, like, I look at San Francisco, I'm, I'm a bigger Brock Purdy guy than most people are. I think that everything that he does is enough above average that it, it turns you, like, all of his grades are Bs. So you, so you end up with, hey, we have a, a, quarter, a B quarterback. Yep. And with the A talent that is around him, you can win. I don't know if Justin, I would consider him to be a B quarterback at this point. And I think that's the disappointing part for everyone, is you wish for him that he was. And you're probably like, well, he's got a 79, and, you know, he, he was at every class. So I'm going to give him the B- minus instead of the C+. Plus. I'm also going to grade him on improvement. His, everything got better at right. in the end, so we get, yeah. Right. It, 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 but you would love for it to just be very concrete and say, you know that you have this. They didn't know in Green Bay until probably eight weeks ago with Jordan Love. Now, considering that he's a first-time starter, that's really impressive. But it's another different path to finding the quarterback where you don't know. Like, like they were probably sitting there going, okay, we're going to give him this bridge contract, and then we're, we'll see where things are. The light clicks on for him in, like, week eight, and then he's the best quarterback in the NFC for the rest of the year. And now you walk into this offseason if you're Matt LaFleur and you go, got that quarterback thing right. Can I go back? Speaking of that quarterback thing in Green Bay, I want to go back to something that you stumbled upon on Friday. Okay. We were talking with Carmen Vitale, Fox Sports. I didn't stumble upon it. I I set it up with a a thoughtful and perfectly worded question to to. To elicit the response that you got. Exactly. So, so I, I brought it out of, of the guest. Yes, that's what you do I didn't, for a living. I, I didn't just luck into it. It kind of feels like you lucked <laughs> into it. So, so Dan was asking about off-field distractions and Aaron Rodgers and how the, the people in Green Bay are probably really happy that they don't have to deal with that. Carmen offered this really insightful point. Something that Matt, or uh, sorry, Adam Stenovich said uh, last or this week, I believe, their uh, Packers offensive coordinator really struck me. And it's something I hadn't considered before. Not only did you have the distractions of Aaron Rodgers and, you know, mouthing off about this, that, and the other, but 
you had a guy that was so confident in his skills, and rightfully so. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. But that he would change. I think the Packers last year copped to, like, 30% of the plays, which you know you need to, like, double at that point if they're publicly copying the 30, 30%. And when that happens, when you have a quarterback that's changing so much within a game, as much as you might trust him and know that he's talented, that does not allow you to build on a game plan. And it doesn't allow you to really set things up like you want to if you're Matt LaFleur and you're the play caller. What we're seeing now is Jordan Love operating this offense as it's intended to be, and that is allowing Matt LaFleur to make these adjustments to the point where, okay, we're going to show you this look and this look in the first half. And then guess what? In the second half, we're going to show you those same looks, but we're going to run something else out of that and keep the defense on its heels that way. You can't create that chess, you know, master, masterful chess game uh, if you don't know the plays that are being called on the field, and that's what Adam Stenovich talked about. And I think it's incredibly true. So there was, in a way, distractions on the field with Aaron Rodgers that now no longer exist. How about that? It's a great point by her. Yeah, how am I supposed to call a game plan when the quarterback is running his own game plan? I mean, and we we know that this is a thing. We know that that Randall Cobb has to go with him everywhere he goes so that he can he be knows, the interpreter. He knows the off-menu stuff. Yes, and so he can tell everyone, well, this is what this means. And when he does this with two fingers like this, this is what you're supposed to do. When he does two fingers like this, this is what you're supposed to do. That that maybe Matt LaFleur deserves even more credit for what he endured over the last couple of years there in Green Bay. And I bet he feels freer than he's felt in a long time. Because now he and the quarterback are on the same page. Now he can coach. He can coach the quarterback. Is a great point. Like, I never really even thought of the idea of a quarterback being an on-field distraction. But when you add that extra late, like think about all the different things that if you're a receiver for Aaron Rodgers, and if you get it down, like you're going to be rewarded, you're going to win games, you're going to work for a really long time, even when you shouldn't be working Randall Cobb, like you're going to get stuff from it. But if you're these young guys, and you remember how Aaron Rodgers was acting with these guys, like they didn't know what was going on, he was treating them like crap, and – then they get a quarterback that is running what the coach taught them to do. And look at how different that feels. There's some texts here from the 262. It says, guys, it's why I believe that you and some of us post Nagy are so adamant about fixing Bears culture and Bears dysfunction. Because these other teams seem to be closer to contenders. And here we are two years into Eberflus and things are trending up. But what do we really feel? We're going to be on the same plane, and that's why some of us wish a head coaching change would have happened and a whole new regime would be put in. Well, yeah, there's also the context of it being a year where there were all kinds of coaching minds available. It's fair to believe that. I'm I'm not going to dismiss what you just said. One of the things that I was thinking about as the Lions were winning their game, and I posted it on Twitter, I do think that there is a lot of good happening at Hallis Hall. And in the same way that I can look at the draft that the Lions had, which was exquisite, and look at some of the pieces that they have going forward, I can look at the Bears and go, Montez Sweat is a Bear. Kyler Gordon is a Bear. Jalen Johnson is a Bear. Jaquan Brisker is a Bear. Like, 
there's a lot of stuff up there. DJ Moore plays for the Bears. That to me is is quality. Like the, the Darnell Wright, right? Like the, the when you're talking about Will culture, commit. like you have some dudes that are in a similar place career timeline wise to what Detroit is doing, and you can say these are good building blocks. Now it's like, what puts you over the top? The answer might be drafting a quarterback that is ready to go from day one. I I do want to warn people. Yes, you saw an outlier this year with C.J. Stroud. And it's possible that Jaden Daniels, Drake May, or most likely Caleb Williams will be an outlier. But if he's not an outlier, don't get crazy. Because it's more than likely that a rookie quarterback, no matter who he is, is going to struggle. And one only needs to look at the greatest quarterbacks who have played over the last 30 years and what their rookie seasons were like. Peyton Manning kept throwing the ball to the other team. Now, he used it as an opportunity to process, why am I doing that? And then you saw the, the shift. It happens. It, what, what C.J. Stroud, what he fell upon down in, in Houston, we could talk with Show about this later on. He, he's definitely got the it, but would you be surprised next year if he struggled a little bit? Because I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. A little bit of news here coming from Mike Garofolo. The Chargers and Jim Harbaugh reportedly are in, quote, striking distance, unquote, for a deal. Whatever that means. And Pro Football Talk also says, we heard earlier today that Pete Carroll is making a push for the job. Mike Vrabel is also in the mix. That would be a desirable job then, apparently. Yes. Okay, is that uh, we heard Troy Aikman full-throatedly supporting Jim Harbaugh's return to the NFL, openly pining for it, and it appears to be headed in that direction. I, how far does it go, and how close do these little reporting euphemisms go before Michigan calls Harbaugh and says, well, there's that deal on the table, and it just got sweeter? We would like to make you president of the university. Exactly. <laughs> Which you kind of would be anyway. And you get immunity from the punishments that are going to happen. I, yeah, it, I don't know if they can do that. I don't know. No, no, they definitely can't, right? There's no way. Well, I mean, the NCAA can do whatever it wants, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he served suspensions and stuff last year. And maybe you get immunity from the school. Maybe you get we contract punish, immunity. Yeah. We won't punish you further. It won't affect your contract. But, yeah, the NCAA can just be like, yeah, you're suspended. But if you're Harbaugh, you can just eliminate this. And there's something to reaching the top of the mountain. Why'd they bring you here? Well, they brought you here because you weren't beating Ohio State and you weren't competing for national championships. Cool. What did you do the last three years? Beat Ohio State, contended for, and won a national championship. Go get the, the James Brown cape. I can't do no more. Like, I've built this program up. Whoever walks in the door is walking into a championship-level program. I've done everything that my alma mater could have asked for me. 
Where's the money? And I don't want to deal with any more BS anymore. It sounds like a corollary of the logic I used when I left college about why I stopped caring about what happened with the Duke basketball team. Because you, you didn't care anymore? No. Because four Final Fours ending with a national championship. And I'm like, I, as a senior, a national championship after losing the previous year in the finals, it's like, okay, well, that's over. I'd be chasing that forever. Like, I'm never, ever, ever being a senior. You've seen the picture of me at the bonfire. Yes. I'll, I'll be, I would be chasing that my entire life. I was like, what, what would be the point? I think DePaul was 3-27 and 27 my senior year. So I was like, I just stopped. It wasn't, like it, it, wasn't even, it wasn't really a conscious decision. I just didn't feel it. I'm like, all right, that's, that's, that's over. I did have the moment last week. Where I'm, I'm watching Alabama's new coach, and I was like, "Oh, we're just like everyone else now." Like, okay, that because that's what that's what it is. Yeah. We're everyone else now. They'll they'll be competitive, but we're everyone else. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. I'm watching. I'm listening to him talk about the guys that transferred out, and I'm like, "Yeah, good luck to you, sir. You're a fine coach, and I wish you a a whole hell of a lot of good luck." But we're everyone else now. Meanwhile, Kirby Smart still exists. That thing over there, they got going in Athens. Well, what have you done over the last couple of years? 29 and 1. Oh. <laughs> we didn't even get invited to the to the party for the national championship. What happened in that game that you played against the team that was crying about not getting into? We beat the crap out of them. It'd be like 63 to nothing, whatever it was. We beat them by six touchdowns. Oh. <laughs> How about your recruiting class? Number one. Oh. <laughs> Did you see just their offensive linemen? They're, yeah. They're all like 6'8", 340. All of them. That thing that Kirby has built in Athens is impressive. I really, you know what? And, the, and you know me. Like, I wanted Lane. I wanted Lane's crazy ass back in Tuscaloosa. And I think I was on an island. But Lane would have at least brought the juice. Now, maybe, maybe this guy brings... More than juice. Maybe he's not the juice guy. He's the foundation guy. And I'm okay with that. But Precious juice. It definitely felt like we're everyone else now. Everyone else except for Georgia and probably Texas. Because I think that thing's about to come online soon. Like that thing's about to be sentient. And it's going to be a problem for everyone. Back to Bulls Talk next. Cody Westerling going to join us on the score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Grayson Allen receiving the ball from official Mark Davis, tied to 113. Allen holding and looking, puts it in play to Nurkic. Nurkic, a bouncer to Durant, circle left. Jumper is good! Oh no! 
With 1.6 seconds, Kevin Durant from Nurkic. Are you kidding me? 115-113 Phoenix. Caruso to the Rosen off balance. Big shot off the mark. And the ball game is over as DeRozan with an off-balance jumper behind the three-point line on the right wing. And the Bulls lose 115-113 after leading by as many as 23 points. Yeah, no fun, but it was immensely entertaining. I wanted them to take whatever that first half was or wrap it up and bottle it and sell it distill it as some kind of magical basketball elixir, and maybe they could have saved some of it for that fourth quarter when Kevin Durant's like, oh, yeah. I'm Kevin Durant. (laughs) I'm me, and you're not. Here's some of this. Excuse me while I whip this out. And then things went badly for the Bulls. Well, they didn't didn't go, like, completely downhill. They fought. Yeah, they did. They just didn't have that. They don't have one of those. They don't have one of those. Cody Westerland is on Twitter at Cody Westerland, editor and Bulls writer for 670thescore.com. He's on the Circa Sports Illinois Score hotline, twitch.tv slash Chicago670thescore. Hello, Cody. Guys, I'm with you. That was uh, That's the most fun I'd have watching a Bulls game in, I felt like, a long, long time. And I know we always have some recency bias, but that was that was great, man. The Bulls are going to go 40 and 42, 41 and 41 every year. If that's what they're doing, can they do that like 82 times? It was just so good. It was great. It it was really good. Where do you think it started to turn? What was the thing that beyond, you know, God mode, Kevin Durant, what, what was the thing that turned that game for the Bulls? You know, everyone's going to obviously go straight to the biggest lead of the game, 23 points with about seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter. If you want to go back even farther, I'd go to early in the second quarter. I felt like the Bulls offense bogged down for like a three-minute stretch there to open the second quarter a little bit in the final minute of the first quarter or so. Like you saw DeMar drove into the paint and got stuck with two guys on him. The ball didn't pop for a few minutes. Andre Drummond had a post up. And it felt like that then happened in the third quarter for a much, much longer stretch for a couple of reasons. One being that Alex Crucial was out of the game with foul trouble and his three-point shooting was amazing last night and that helped open the floor. But I think you started seeing it in the second quarter. Billy Donovan got Kobe White back on the floor early in the second quarter to help out then. He had Kobe White on the on the floor for most of the third quarter. I should say he got him back early in the second quarter. Had him on the floor most in the third quarter. But, like, the ball stuck, right? I think Casey Johnson had the great stat. The Bulls went almost 13 minutes without an assist as that 23-point lead dwindled down to nothing. So you look at where did it go wrong. I'm not going to blame them too much for the defense. They lost Kevin Durant on some possessions they shouldn't have. He made some tough shots. I would go actually go a little bit more to the offense. Like, you knew you are going to have to score a lot to beat the Suns, and I think that's where it went wrong. They weren't efficient enough. Ball didn't move enough in that stretch for the Bulls. They shot 37 threes, which is great. I mean, I, I can never get enough. But, again, Nikola Vucevic won for five. And his three-point percentage now, it's half a season. This is not a bad stretch. This is 40 games. And he's at 265, which is – I, I can't explain it. He's a career 34% three-point shooter, and he's shooting 26%. And it's not just bad. That's really, really bad, right? When you see someone's market 30, 31%, the NBA average is usually around 36% for three-pointers. So 30% is not good. 
But that's like, oh, you know, get out of that shooting rut. Like Kobe White's had a 30% three-point shooting mark early in season sometimes. Shoots his way out of it. Vooch's is terrible, though. That that right there is one of the least efficient possessions you could possibly have in the NBA. And you guys should know, almost all of those are wide open, right? Almost all mm-hmm. wide open because teams leave him out there. And the Bulls will respond. The threat of it, which I don't think the threat is even the correct word to use. Not anymore. Possibi- the possibility of it helps stretch the defense, but I don't see it that much with him. The one thing I would say is like the him getting the ball passing near the top of the key or out of the three-point line to me is a key component of their offense. And sometimes I feel like he feels like he has to shoot it because then they're sagging and taking away the passing lanes. I think they should rein that in a little bit. You know, one, two a game, maybe in the right spots. But like you said, Dan, on a night where you go one for five and every possession matters, that's too many empty possessions. I think they do it a little bit too much. I'm not worried about the the Bulls not making at least the play-in. I think that that's a, seven or eight is probably what makes sense for them. But I'd love to know what you think. What is a maximized Bulls team look like to you night in and night out are they capable of that are they capable of playing their best ball more often I think they're capable of playing more like what we saw in the first half last night I I think we need to point out that defense is the sun's weakness they're an older group that's part of the reason why the Bulls were zipping around them and the ball was moving so well but yes the Bulls can certainly play like that for longer stretches And if they do that, I'm with you, Lawrence. I don't think they're better than a seven or eight seed in best case scenario this year, the way everything's going. I know the Bulls obviously have played better basketball for the last month, month and a half, played better in January, played well with Zach Levine out for those 17 games, but they're still just an average basketball team at best. Their offensive, or should should say their net rating um, is subpar. Um, under zero in the negative territory. So there's nothing to suggest here that they're going to make a run to the five or six seed to me. But I like the idea when you're looking at what could matter moving forward, big picture, like play like they did last night and empower Kobe White. I mean, he had 26, 10 and nine, one of the best games of his career, made so many good decisions. I think playing more like that, continuing to empower Kobe would be great. I think when Kobe gets empowered, Patrick Williams just naturally does a little bit more. I mean, those guys are good friends. They're both young guys. They've played a lot with each other in their NBA careers coming in a year, a year apart from each other in the draft. So I think some of those things can naturally keep happening if they turn to Kobe a little bit more. And you got to love how he played last night. And I think those are things that matter moving forward. But I don't think it changes their trajectory to anything more than a playing team. The Miami Heat are getting Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets for what is left of Kyle Lowry and his contract and a protected 2027 first-round pick. It's interesting because we're looking at every trade possibly defining what the Zach Levine market could be, and yet when we actually look at the dynamics of the market, these trades are about money. They, they are, yep. they're, they're about future assets, but it's about the, the fear of that new second apron penalty. And it makes the idea of adding a guy at Levine's price for what he's going to bring almost a non-starter. Yep. And to to expand on what you mean there, Dan, the new CBA teams are scared of these 40, 45 million, 50 million dollar contracts for players who aren't top of the line stars. 
because you won't be able to aggregate salary. There'll be other restrictions on many of these. So it will make those contracts harder to trade. So naturally, teams love these $20 million contracts, which is the range of what Terry Rogier's is, because those will be easier to move. They won't be such a burden on your organization if that player doesn't produce at a high level. So the Bulls, beyond the concern that many had about Zach Levine signing the max contract when he did, the way it's played out, it's been a little unfortunate for them with the CBA because it only made that type of contract more burdensome. And I don't think anyone could have realistically seen it coming to that degree at the time the Bulls signed Zach Levine to his max contract. So we're going to see a lot of these guys. I mean, these $20 million players, I think will be on the move across the NBA. It's looking more and more like Zach Levine probably won't be traded. Doesn't mean he can't. Both sides are still open to it, but it's just hard to see that deal right now, given the changing economics and trade market of the NBA at this time. I've been trying to figure out if there's a, a desperate team out there that thinks that they're closer than they look right now in the standings. One of them is Sacramento, like because of how well they played last year and now they're they're in a play-in situation. I, I'm trying to find anyone that might be interested in Zach Levine. Who's on your list of teams that you at least are paying a little bit of attention to that, that could benefit from Zach Levine and might have something in return to give to the Bulls? You nailed one of them right there, the Kings. I mean, they obviously signed Zach Levine to that restricted free agent offer sheet years ago on his previous contract. Um, new management, but same ownership group there. It's a team that wants to get better and needs to make a change at some point. They have, excuse me, they have contracts to move. Kevin Herter, they have Harrison Barnes, guys like that. Davion Mitchell, some draft equity in the future. And I don't think they're under pressure to make a move. I think they'd be a team to watch, the type of team to watch. Maybe the Orlando Magic, a team like that, um, that wants to take the next step, has always had offensive troubles. But I don't know how well Zach Levine fits in with um, Franz Wagner there, with Paolo Bancaro. Those guys kind of made inroads this year, being better players, obviously, doing more um, with more opportunity and taking the next step. But the Magic are on the radar because they're a team that's faded a little bit. And, like, they have been one of the worst offenses in the NBA for, like, 10, 12 years running. Every time what Zach Levine does best is is score the basketball, stretch the floor. They haven't had that. Uh, I'm trying to think others, like the Lakers, are kind of fading by the wayside. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't sound like there's any interest from them and Zach Levine at this point. The 76ers, dark horse suitor. I wouldn't change anything up there if I was them, given how Joel Embiid's playing. Tyrese Maxey's immersed into an all-star, but they always want to make a big move under Daryl Morey. At some point, they will, and you have to think Zach Levine's a guy that they'll have on their radar. Probably isn't their number one, two, or three choice, but someone that they'll have on their radar and it doesn't have to be at this trade deadline on February. They'll have a lot of cap space in the summer, too, which will give them flexibility. So we'll have to see things like that. But those are probably the teams I would have on my radar. But like I said, um, it seems a lot more far-fetched now than we thought before. Cody, what do you think of this Tristan Thompson story? I didn't read much of it other than he just got hit with 25-game suspension for a banned substance. Honestly, I didn't read further details on the news story. So he, he was I, you using might know more human growth hormone or okay. a, or a growth hormone. I shouldn't say human growth hormone, a gro growth. Well, I presume hormone. it's human. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't want to necessarily put it in the HGH category. Well, it's, cat it's, it's categorized. Horse hor I don't know. Oh, he might have used horse tranks. 
Um, I, you're Mr. You're Dr. Doctor. Um, SARM yeah. LGD 4033, commonly yeah, used I, by bodybuilders and weightlifters for muscle enhancement. Obviously, he went one number too far. 4032 would have been acceptable. Ah, that's, that's 4033. <laughs> also in the new collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> you cannot, that's the threshold you cannot pass. I mean, I guess props to Tristan Thompson for doing everything to keep his career alive, right? He was in like, he was in TV a year ago on ESPN every single day, it felt like, late in the season. He was here with the Bulls two years ago. Um, that was, I think, an adventure and an experience to uh, to have covered him for a few months, obviously, there. But a really outgoing guy. I think he'll be good on TV at some point. I think he was probably trying to prolong his career. I mean, what do you guys think about He's it? He's only 32 years old. Is that it? Yeah. Wild. That's yeah, wild. but... I, I mean, the game is clearly passed yes. him by. Like, it's yes. changed, and he can't really – he doesn't really have enough skill to evolve. Not a, not a shooter and not a passer. Right. Um, but, I mean, he was the difference maker in many ways on the 2016 Cavs team that won crashing the glass. Like, he did have defensive versatility. He was really good in his prime at that. They overpaid him, basically. I think Clutch Sports got him a big contract. They knew how important he was to the Cavs. So, like, that's a guy who's had his day. but. Um, it does feel like a veteran on the way out to me, seemingly. I mean, it could have been an innocent mistake. We all know that that can happen, but it also could have been a guy who wanted to cut every corner to keep playing in the league. But if he, he were using it. 40, 32, I would say yeah. innocent mistake, but 40, 33. Oh, you got to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know what you're doing there. I'm, I'm really offended by 40, 33. You just cannot <laughs> go into that strain of HGH, obviously. Cody Westerland, thank you for all of the chemical knowledge. Appreciate it. Yeah, you, you guys take care. This That's, should be the name of Cody's podcast. All the chemical knowledge? All the chemical knowledge. My Chemical Romance Knowledge Basketball Podcast. Fine. That also works. When we come back, thoughts on your alma mater pursuing a new head coach. Who and is, a new direction. Who is the right person to lead DePaul out of the basketball wilderness? Me! And back to its rightful place of greatness. Probably not me. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. No one really knows the it, words to the fight song. It's just on Wisconsin, played at a different speed. Chocolate donut. All no. fight songs are largely the same. Tommy uh, Kleinschmidt. Tommy Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It's just it's just on Wisconsin. You can play up. the same drum beat to almost every fight song in the country. It's you, all the same. I think D, you should play the, e, the drum beat M, from o, that Tool song S. instead of all of those time signature change. That's in the wrong time signature, though. It wouldn't fit this It's song. in five different time signatures. I think that one, that I think Jambi's in nine. Nine, eight, I think. Oh, I, I mean, I, I can't tell. I just know that there's, it, it, I can't understand it, and it sounds really different. Tool does like to change their time signatures. Okay. Which A mean, lot. They're, so they're kind of like wanky, math rocky. Something like that. Prog it's your type of band. Show-offy. Yeah. I wouldn't say show offy. I mean, they do. They made the last album they made. It came out in like 2017. They hadn't made an album for like 10 years. And then they came out and it was just like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're still like the best band on the planet. Here's here's a 17 minute song with like eight different time signatures. That's, 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 that's show offy. That's what I mean. Hey, but they but they can flexing. do it. Yeah, it really that one was a flex. <laughs> so wait, you what do you mean you don't know the words to the fight song? I don't know the words. to. 
I don't know the words. I think I think it song. begins. We will gather underneath the banner. That think that's how it starts. I I swear to God, I don't know. I don't know ours either. But we would just sing chocolate donuts or Tommy Kleinschmidt. Like that's what we would do when we were students. There is a little bit of news, by the way. Dwayne Peavy has said some things about the opening at DePaul. Uh, good job by Lawrence Kramer, who, you know, I'm biased because he's one of my kids. And he's now doing stuff for Illini 24-7 down there with Jeremy Warner, which is great. It, they, they posted some quotes about kind of where things stand. This is from the athletic director at DePaul. <clears throat> I'm not limiting myself. I want the next, next coach to get us to the NCAA tournament. If you can get us to the NCAA tournament, you can be the next coach at DePaul. That's basically how limitless this is. Now I have a list, and every AD is thinking about the prospect of who could be your next coach. You build those lists for every coaching position based on your coach likely leaving for a better opportunity or another job, not for this type of scenario. So I'm not limiting myself because this is different. We're in a different world in college athletics. We've got to stay ahead of the curve, you know, and I want DePaul to be in a position, and I feel that my campus partners, we are one that can adjust and be adaptable and maybe do something different, and that's the plan that we have to put into place to get us back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, but you can't be ahead of the curve until you get to speed on the curve. Well, one of the things that was that was talked about is that DePaul is at the bottom of the Big East in NIL, and you have to have someone there that's going to – help generate it. Now, what's crazy is, as a university, they were one of the first universities to really jump in on NIL. Like, to really, like, have an NIL office and an NIL officer, but it hasn't generated anything because you know, the same thing with the alums. Like, wh- what, why are we giving money to anyone? There needs to be something to, to, to you know, back that. PV said, uh, according to Lawrence Kramer, who wrote for the DePaulia, for a long time that he would like to have someone in place by April 1st. But that's the goal. So you get, get to final four weekend and you know what that's like when all the coaches are like, Hey, I need a job. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you want to hire me? Hey, uh, I can use a job. So it's been hey, you fired up. How well, is, how is he, by the way, who Jim Ursay? No one knows. Is, no one knows. Because is they're he conscious? That, great question, Dan. Remember we asked Florio last week and Florio didn't know. I don't know. Very scary. So everyone's putting their, their needs together on what it is that they're looking for. It's funny when I see some of the older reporters, no diss to our, our friend Jeff Goodman. You you see people kind of like oh well they need a they need like a veteran Chuck Swirsky jumped on Twitter and said they need to hire one of their own like I, why I don't know I don't know what the answer is like it's I I will say that like I think that that type of belief made more sense when there was different leadership at the athletic director position if you needed to know how to navigate kind of the mom and pop store that was DePaul athletics. Yeah, I get that. That's, uh, that's not what Dwayne Peavy is. I don't, I'm not even really sure what he is, but I know that he's not that the whole point was to try and move forward with this thing. So the hire becomes really important. The good news is, is that 
Peavy wanted to hire Kenny Payne, and Kenny Payne is struggling at Louisville. In fact, one of DePaul's three wins this year is against Louisville and the coach that they thought that they were going to hire. I don't even know to the public, like to the, the working public in college basketball, how valuable this job is outside of the money that you could make. The money and being in Chicago. The, the actual lifestyle of the job. I mean, hell, if you do it like Oliver Purnell, it's the best job in the world. Oh, Oliver, I love that guy. Why don't they give my guy Jim Molinari a call? How old is Jim now? He is he would 69. Want, he would want the job. He's 69. He's currently an assistant at Boston College. There's a bunch of like... Yeah, he'd take it. There's a bunch of old dudes who would love to have the job. I brought up Steve Lavin, who's, I think, barely 60. Yeah, but you need somebody. This is much more of a young and hungry rather than old and desperate. That's what I think. I I think you need somebody who's going to do the work and do the work with everything that comes with it with the Chicago Public League. Can can I make, can I, can I steal from someone and, and, and satisfy Chuck Swirsky at the same time? Who'd that be? Tracy Dildy. Rashawn Burnham. I don't think I I don't think he'd want it. I think he's he's looking for bigger fish. You you don't think that he would he would rather coach his alma mater instead of coaching in IU? Ah, uh, yeah, but I I think he's waiting for something bigger. I mean, from a salary salary standpoint, the little general could get himself something. No, I know, but he he's he's a real prospect. I and I agree, but you, that's what's young and hungry. You, you just said it. You also wouldn't have him very long. That's the only thing. I'm as long as he puts the program on solid ground, I'm okay with that. Okay, yeah, like they, I'm you, okay with that. that. That would be great, and I I agree with you. I think he would take it, but he wouldn't be. Uh, he'd be a short timer. Rashawn Burno would be on my list. D Brown would be on my list of people that I would talk to. I would talk to Steve Lavin. Like I know that that, that seems like so bizarre because he's a long way from what he was doing at UCLA back in the early aughts, but he's still young enough to help you try and build something. He'd be on my list. As far as the, the guys that take your own, I would talk with Tom Kleinschmidt about it. I'd interview him for sure. You know, I think that he's he's earned it because it's one thing to just be like, I'm the guy, so you should interview me. What he's built at DePaul Prep, formerly Gordon Tech, has been impressive, and he keeps going to the state championship. So there's here's what I know about Tom Kleinschmidt. I don't know if he can recruit. I know he can coach. Because if, if you're coaching at a level where you're taking teams and winning state championships, that lets me know that, at a fundamental level, you know how to coach basketball. When we come back, our guy, the show. Yay! Perfect man of the moment is Ron Hughley because he is not only a sports radio host in Houston, he covers the Chiefs for Arrowhead Pride. So some football talk with our guy, Ron, next on The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.